Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast. This is Andre from The Mental Elf, and I'm here with Professor Ryan Kilmer. He's Professor of Psychology and Chair of the Department of Psychological Science at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and also co-editor of the American Journal of Autopsychiatry. Welcome, Ryan, to the podcast. Lovely to be talking to you today. Um, so we're here at the Global Alliance Conference in Baltimore. What does the Global Alliance mean to you? Well, first off, it's nice to be here, Andre. Thank you. Um, I really resonated with the Global Alliance for multiple reasons. Uh, the fact that it's interdisciplinary in focus, uh, the fact that values really serve as the parameters for the work or undergird the work around social justice, um, and the fact that the organization has a, a long history of action, of action across uh, different spheres, largely to support um, equity, populations that have traditionally been marginalized, and, and really seeking outcomes that I found myself right, really in favor uh, um, of, of supporting. Um, so that's, that's why I wanted to, to be involved and grow my involvement. Um, and, and that's been my experience. And over time, a piece that I found really uh, rewarding is that the space is so inclusive for students, for early career folks, for professionals, that, that so many, you know, at conferences and whatnot, people said, oh, I, I found my people, right? They really, again, they really value the approach. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's my first time at this conference, and I must admit that even on day one, I'm feeling that myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a lovely group of people in a really supportive, creative atmosphere. Yeah. So you've worked a lot in deprived settings, and I'm interested in your thoughts on how you think we can better support young people who are affected by poverty, poor housing, food insecurity, discrimination in schools. Yeah, give us your sort of broad, that's a big question, but give us your broad <laughs> thoughts on that. Um, well, good that we have three weeks to answer the question. Um, I guess I'd say, actually, related to the first question about the Global Alliance, um, so much of what we do, we frame within a broader socio-ecological model. And with that, it's the importance of, of taking multiple strategies and using multiple levels of analysis, right? Looking at action at the individual, family, neighborhood, community, society, system, society level. And, and similarly, having multiple strategies for action. So there isn't a one strategy to, to address the kind of issues you're talking about. Um, I'll, I'll give an example of one project uh, that I'm, um, with which I'm involved in, in my community, Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's, I'm, I'm the one here talking, but I'm part of a broader team. We've got uh, folks in anthropology, public policy, sociology. We had a geographer, have other psychologists, uh, because I think, right, the kinds of issues you talked about, they don't fall under the purview of any one discipline, any one perspective. We really need those complementary views and, and skill sets. Um, and, and the work we're doing is is with some place-based initiatives and let me say by the way not only the the different perspectives of these disciplines but working closely with community stakeholders that every project i've been involved with in 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 charlotte in, in my career uh has been in response to community needs that we've worked in child welfare public education public mental health early childhood public housing a host of different settings 
trying to help bring our capacity on campus to work with the community, not do to, not do for, but in collaboration, in partnership, working for community change to improve systems, uh, support services, programs to, for children and families, many of whom have been marginalized or have experienced significant adversity. So one example of the kind of strategy we're trying to support, there, there are place-based initiatives that are really built around um, how do you strengthen the conditions of a neighborhood or a, you know, sometimes we call them corridors in, in, in our city. Um, think about what fits within a particular geographic boundary. How do you strengthen those conditions? And in addition to that, how do you work to address the collective challenges? Because to your point in asking the question, it's not, quote, just poverty. Poverty brings with it so many other adversities. It's not just about housing. And folks who study some of these kinds of issues have said there are, there's considerable promise in examining, arriving at local solutions and examining place and how can you address some of the structural challenges in that place, right? So structural racism and segregation as a non-random example in Charlotte, North Carolina. How can you examine some of those kinds of things? And the place-based niches with which we're working they have mo multiple domains of focus, if you will. So they're focusing on safe and affordable housing. They're focusing on how do they enhance early childhood care and, and support. How can they support families around stability? So that a good some of these um, uh, place-based initiatives have life navigators. Think of them almost like life coaches. And the initiatives themselves sometimes will describe themselves as, as serving as the connective tissue in the, in the neighborhood or as the quarterback serving to connect some of these other agencies. Like no one organization does mental health and health care access and housing and food, right? It's, that's, that's not tenable. But can someone help coordinate it? Can someone help reduce um, redundancy or contradictory services? Someone, can someone help elevate or amplify the needs of a particular family um, in what are considered two-generation solutions, focused not only just on the parent or just on the child, but both, right? So a number of these kinds of initiatives focus on, again, housing, education, employment and vocation readiness, early care and education, as well as reducing disparities in healthcare and mental health care access. And part of what, what, where we come in is that the challenge is that there's so much focus on the mission. There's so much focus on the work. And there are some indicators that there have been important outcomes and trying to move the needle a little bit. But we don't really have good data on, on if these work. And even more than if these, again, in quotes, work, when, when we do applied research or evaluation, it's pointedly never does it work or does it not. It's how do we use data to maximize the potential benefit of the initiative, of the program, of the intervention for its intended beneficiaries. So that's, that's how we can really come together around a shared or, or uh, mutual goal that we have different areas of expertise. We may have different agendas at some points and whatnot, 
but we all join around how do we make sure we're doing our best and optimizing the potential benefit. So you say how do we use data and the role of the researcher in that, addressing the uncertainty and answering the question so you can move forward together in the right direction. Say more about that because I think for me um, it's about trust that the researcher's role is valid in that bigger picture. Yes, would be the short answer that, that I have no idea how I can tell you how many times I've said to students and graduate students, it's all about relationships. And part of where you start is, right, the bedrock of any relationship is trust. And, and you need to have open, direct, honest communication. As researchers, many researchers historically, you know, we stroke our chins and we think deep thoughts and we get tied up on our fancy degrees. You're not going to get anywhere in work, work, you know, it's then seen as your project and you're certainly not listening if you're doing that. And so we have to recognize where we might have some strength and capacity as well as where we don't. And where do our partners, where do the community stakeholders have the clear expertise? They know their residents better than we do. They know their, if we're talking program participants, they know their families better than we do. And we need to be quiet and listen. And so what's crucial to that is coming together and talking about, well, what are your aims and goals here? What questions do you have? What concerns do you have? A lot of times we're told pointedly about other people with PhDs who have not treated folks particularly well, right? And, and having it can con contribute to a bit of a barrier or at least a speed bump where we have to, we have to you know, demonstrate we're not them. The benefit for me is I've been now in Charlotte for this is my 24th year at the university. So word of mouth helps. Right and and that reputation, um, but that's but that's a piece where university types have not always done right by the the participants in their research. And for us, it's not just about participants; it's partners, it's collaborators. And so, you know, just circling back to a second for a second to the place-based initiative work, part of the 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 beginning step that we're we're really trying to do is understand. What are the facilitators and barriers to that work? And where are some of the needs? So there's so much focus and resource, resources and person power addressed on the doing of the work. How do you help them build capacity to track data that are meaningful, to answer questions that can be meaningful to them? So that's, I, I just wanted to kind of close the loop there. But I think your comment about um, trust is, is absolutely imperative. And so, what, what, it, what it leads us then to is to say, well, what are some other partnership-oriented practices in which you can, and so some people will say, well, we had a memorandum of understanding. Oh, we had a contract. Well, there are plenty of dysfunctional efforts that have such memoranda, or, or it's, it's about, again, can you identify, I, I sent before this notion of a shared goal or a common goal, that that, when there are disagreements, because there's inevitably going to be, you know, a couple steps forward, maybe a couple steps back. At the end of the day, we want to think about what's best in maximizing the potential impact for dot dot dot. You know, the the children trying to be served. What, and and that can that can really help us keep our keep our focus and serve an important role. Where we then start striking the balance between, okay, what's 
what's rigor or what's the, what strengthens the science, if you will, and what's practical and what's appropriate in the setting. And if you can, if you can, if you can foster that healthy partnership, right? You're not you're not getting a randomized control trial, but you're you're able to access better and higher quality data because the stakeholders are involved and they're bought in. You have questions that not only reflect science, they reflect practice. Right? They, you wind up with results that are more valid for the particular context or specific population with which you're working. And you wind up with stronger science as well as research that's more applicable to practice, right? You, you, get, you get those mutual wins. Um, rather than an MOU, I mean, those can be important, but yeah. we'll often talk about how do we set up a partnership management team and who has to be there? And we have shared governance structures. We have joint decision-making practices. We have, uh, you know, a process where, well, frankly, the process is duly owned. If we're talking about the measures, the methods, the questions, those aren't things I'm cooking up in my office. And those are, those are come to arrived at collaboratively. And then importantly, the products, they're ours, not just the university types, right? We present together at conferences, we publish together, we do community presentations. Uh, together, it's it's a critical element, and I feel compelled to say that. While again, while I'm the one here talking, a lot of my ideas and experiences over the years, we've I've done this in collaboration with a colleague, Jim Cook, um, who recently retired, but another person in psychology. Thank you very much. For Thank sharing. you, Andre. And yeah, thanks for joining me for the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.